Pete. All right. So I, I've got Pete Caputa here, current CEO. Yeah, see, I, you know, I almost wrote that. You can, uh, I'm using Ecamm Live to record this, and you can get put a little description in here. I almost okay. wrote, and I shouldn't have said it. I almost wrote current. Anytime you say current anything, it makes it sound like someone's about to leave, or there's something coming up. That, like, uh, just no, no, the CEO at, at DataBox. Yes. Pete, I'm excited to have you here and and uh, Usually learn from you. Usually, you say say what I did before DataBox, right before DataBox, and then say current CEO DataBox. So, well, so I, I get where you're going there. You that, just did, you just skipped the first part. That was in my mind. So obviously, a lot of people know you. Still, is that still? A common like I assume most people, but maybe it's just because I'm from that world. Know you as like you're the guy who built the partner program at HubSpot and grew that. Yes. Is that yeah, I'm a very good hire man. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time writing up things that we how we did that right, published it, and and there's very few um, SaaS companies that built a successful channel, as you know. Yep. And so, but. Uh, and we can talk about this later maybe, but a lot of software companies are struggling to go to market now, and so they're looking at different ways, and channels coming up more and more. So um, most people find me through through that experience or the stuff I wrote about building HubSpot's partner program. Right. Uh, at least like once a week, somebody's like, hey, can I pick your brain about starting a partner program? I've had to start saying no. Um, it's just uh, right. I, I got stuff going on now. That's what you get for doing this whole inbound marketing thing and writing stuff about your experience. You know, it, yeah, writing and also doing something unique. I think uh, there's, you know, the more unique you do something, the more de- the more demand for it is eventually. Now, that, like, like doing something uh, unique and expecting people to like think it's cool right away that won't work but like over time if you did something unique that worked everybody wants to know how it worked so right that's awesome so i know you've been on the podcast before i think you've been on twice maybe um yeah and uh and so there's a good amount of people who recognize the face recognize the voice um and know you for folks who don't let's give them a quick um, obviously, I want to. You're one of the guys who's seen inside a, a crazy high number of agencies, and so have a lot of obviously. Um, when you see inside so many, I mean, you'd have to be in, incredibly blockheaded to not start to pick up on some trends and understand what agencies are doing wrong or agencies are doing right. Um, and yep. so you, uh, you've, I mean, you've been a big inspiration and ally to us and uh, and to me personally in our journey, and um, you know served as a mentor in a lot of different ways which has been helpful so i'd like to share that with people here but let's before we get into some of the things that you've learned and takeaways that you have about the agency space um just give people kind of a snapshot of where you are now and that background that we hinted at um so maybe start with databox and we can work backwards just real quickly and then dive in from there okay yeah, so at Databox, I've been a uh, CEO for two years now. Uh, I started working with them a little over two years. Um, early stage company, and they had developed a really cool product, but needed help going to market. And so, uh, over the last two years, have been we've been doing that, and um, we're doing pretty well at this point. Doing uh, we have uh, 900 paying customers, uh, thousands of free users because we have a free plan. Uh, we're doing around 1.6 million in annual revenue, um, growing um, right around eight to nine percent per month. 
um, with plans, of course, to accelerate that in the back half of this year. Um, and uh, what we're helping companies with is pull all their their data together into one spot uh, so that they can focus on uh, improving performance. Uh, a lot of companies are running with multiple software tools and it's hard to get a snapshot of how the company is performing because the data is locked in so many different tools, so many different screens behind so many different logins. So we're helping them pull that together. Then we help them set goals on it, set alerts. So they're being alerted when key numbers hit th- thresholds, high or low, um, helping them track all that data on any device, so mobile app, desktop, of course, TV, uh, Apple Watch if you have one, Um and and then feeding them ways to improve prove that performance based on what uh, goals they've set. That's awesome. So that's where we're at with DataBox. Right, DataBox. If anyone's not using it, I mean the free version is like a no brainer for anyone to go start on. I think you guys have a really compelling uh, free, well, like freemium um, type of thing. I feel like there's a lot of services. I mean, obviously. With any business model, people try it, and some people get it right, some people get it wrong. There's a lot of free right. offers um, that I'm like, I don't really ever see a path to paying for this. Like, there's a there's a right. small free piece that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think companies make mistake two mistakes with me. First of all, is they don't they don't make enough of it free. Yep. And so, like, you get in there and like you you haven't gotten any value yet, and all of a sudden they're saying, oh, upgrade, right? Um, uh, and so that's mistake number one. I think that's the most common one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then the other one is like, they don't focus on that delivering that value quick enough. And so you're like, why would, after playing around with it, I was like, why would I ever use this since people still don't, still don't get it? And then they go away. So, and, um, so the first thing I did at DataBox was, Fix number one, um, they, they had a similar model where the free version included one data source and one data board, so one dashboard for one tool like Google Analytics or Facebook ads or something. Right. And the value of the tool is the actually bringing data in <laughs> from multiple tools. Uh, that's the initial value at least. And, uh, and so we switched it to three data sources. So you, know, you could connect like HubSpot, Facebook ads, and Google Analytics and have three dashboards. So that is valuable, right? That saves you some time, allows you to check all those yeah. stats on one mobile app, et cetera, so people can get some value, uh, the free version for sure. And for agencies, it's even more generous. Um, we, don't, we try not to publicize it too much because we don't want other people uh, who aren't agencies uh, trying it out, but, but – uh, but it's uh, it's pretty generous, and plus most of your audience is probably agencies anyway. So, yep, yeah. Hopefully, your secret's safe here. That's hilarious. <laughs> I did not I did not realize that it was one data source. Like at that point, what's yeah? They were uh, caught like between. Which a lot of companies are caught between. SaaS companies are like, should we do a free trial or should we do free version? And they and they really embraced the free trial model because they were selling to enterprises initially, at least larger companies, and it required an enterprise sales process, enterprise data security, and and accounting and finance and legal process, and then an enterprise implementation. Because most of the time, larger companies are using custom custom uh, data sources or um, or just have you know complex implementations of things. Right. Right. That's awesome. So, and then we touched on your backstory at HubSpot. Yep. Building the yep. partner program. Um, I'm going to my life partners. while you talk. There you go. 
all the partners who, uh, who you worked with there. Um, so it's, and it's funny to like just the outside source, you talked about going into data box and seeing like right away, it sounds like, I mean, there's certainly reasons like we all, we always get trapped inside our own business and it's hard to see. It's hard yeah. to have the perspective to see from the outside. You can say that and it's like, well, what's the point of a reporting tool if it's you pulling in one data source and so many agencies, as you've experienced firsthand are in the same situation. It's easy for an outsider to look in and say, this makes no sense. Like this doesn't line up at all with what you say you want to do. Um, right. Right. So, well, there was, that... there was a lot of valid reasons. I don't want to make it seem right, like yeah, it was not to dump, dump on it, upon. There's always things like, and you look back and like, Oh, that was really dumb. And sometimes more, more often than that's the dumb things I did too. Um, but I don't think it was the, the wrong decision at the time. It was just a different evolution of the company that, you know, for sure they were transitioning. We were transitioning from focus on enterprise before I joined. And then they were gradually transitioning more towards a self-service SMB model. Right. Moving over. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, our background, as you know, firsthand is littered with all kinds of decisions where you can look back and say, what, what were we thinking <laughs> at, the, yes. at the time? Yeah, we, we, all, we all do that, yes. So so let's. this is obviously New Year um, <clears throat> as we're recording this, January 2019. Um, mm-hmm. Looking back kind of as the first place that we maybe start the conversation at, at 2018, as far as what you guys – uh, kind of learned or took away at Databox or from from the agency space. What uh, any big takeaways from from last year? Um, yeah, we 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 changed quite a few things uh, on the on the sales marketing service side. I'd say the the biggest takeaway for me um, is the power of chat. And in our situation with the freemium business model, it's really in-app chat, so we're talking to our, our users once they sign up and as they're logging back in multiple times, uh, and just being there, starting conversations with them, uh, and offering assistance uh, has been huge. It, it was one of those things that's like, you look just looks like the pricing change or the packaging change that's like, oh, why didn't we do this a long time ago? And I don't know if the timing was right uh, a little while ago, um, but... Uh, we're for the last uh, six months, almost all of the executive team at Databox has been helping users in app, and we also hired somebody to do it full time. We're about to hire two more people, so we'll have a total of three people doing it full time, pre-sale, and then much people, so few people doing it um, once people buy as well, um, with slightly different processes there. But um, that's been the biggest change. I think mm. When I started, it was literally like I'm going to call my call my colleagues, call agency owners, and get them trying the product. And like, and then I, as you know, Brian Mosley joined us uh, in sales about 22 months ago, um, and uh, he's closed. You know, we, we have like almost four, a little more than 400 uh, agencies right. on board now, and he was involved with many of them. But many of them also kind of bought on their own. Um, and we're, and what Brian was doing was mostly focusing on the ones that were really good fits, meaning that like they would, we know we, they would be find pr- value in the product. And we also know that they would expand their usage with us over time, uh, based on their profile. Um, and he was mostly like, if I had to do a matrix, it's that. And then the matrix, the other matrix that he uses, like how engaged are they in the product? 
And so we knew that like if they're more engaged in the product, they buy. And so we wanted to try to figure out how do we get more people, more new signups to be more engaged in the product. Yep. And so live chat then obvi- became the obvious option, you know, choice. And so we tried it a few times, uh, and we finally got it right on the third time, where we literally um, offer assistance as soon as they sign up, wow. um, and. We turn it on and off, and and you know sometimes it's personal message, sometimes it's automated, but when we're online, so that we know that we can answer their questions, uh, and and we we had our best two months uh, in ever in November and December, where we grew uh, on average between the two months like nine thousand MRR, um, so you know hundred thousand dollar months for a small company um, represented pretty big growth for us, so. Um, so really, that's really been huge. I can't say I didn't expect it to some degree, but, but, um, but it was a real pleasant surprise to see the impact it started to have, starting to have. That's awesome. I have a principle to take away from that, which is just when people are motivated and ready to take action, like we can all apply that to our businesses. Don't hold them back. Don't like reduce the barriers. Totally. And for yeah, totally, totally. It's like, uh, at HubSpot, we used to, um, tell uh you know our customers and partners that like you got to call your lead right away and some people are like no i want to give them a chance to read the ebook right um but so many studies have been done like the, the quicker you call the better um your response rate will or your connect rate will be and the better your connect rate the better your conversion rates and so i knew that <laughs> and so and now it's not like picking up the phone and calling or emailing. It's like, hey, I'm right here. Right. <laughs> um, you know, drift, of course. Drift, you know, drift. Uh, got my representing today. Um, you representing every day. Oh yeah, I got HubSpot. Most kids because they have really nice free clothes, uh, and I don't buy a lot of clothes for myself. Yep. Um, working from home, so I don't need to. I don't need to dress up. I'm with you on that. Um, so the. Uh, so Drift's been preaching that for a long time, right? The now, I guess, two years now, uh, you know, and they coined that term conversational marketing, which is basically talking yep. to users <laughs> and they have questions. <laughs> on your website, um, and so I wasn't, uh, I was pleasantly surprised, but not overly surprised. And I like it's, I don't know exactly the exact applicability to other companies different from us. Obviously, we have free product, low price yep. point, high volume of signups. We get twenty five hundred signups a month, um, and so I don't know if the same result would be um, for like an agency or not. Right. Um, and we did do a, uh, I just recently did a quick poll of, of agencies, uh, asking them like, what's the best way to do sales and marketing alignment. And we included website chat as like an option to see if that like helps close the gap between, you know, marketing and sales. And it actually the lowest rated of like eight things that hmm. they've tried, um, in terms of like really helping, but mo- a lot, of, a big percentage would just say it helps somewhat. Right. And so I think people are still figuring out like, how do I leverage yeah. live chat to really help sell, uh, especially amongst the agencies that we surveyed. So, right. um, but I think it's worth pursuing. I think everybody should be, should be doing it. We spend so much time and money getting people at our, our website might as well be there if there's a need to talk to them. Yeah. And this is much less, this is uh, much less impactful than the actual principles that you're sharing. But as far as the technology and the specifics, are you guys still using Help Scout on the back, like the customer facing side and Drift on the Yeah, website? we have a complicated stack. Um, we do use Drift a bit on our website, although not as much um, right now because I just need more staff to be able to handle, handle the, 
volume. Um, and we actually use uh, Intercom in our app. From very early days, the, the team integrated Intercom so that we can uh, quickly see uh, how, how frequent and what features each user is using. So then we can use that to automate, customize, or personalize messages oh, to them in app. Um, the other, the, real, the other tools. Uh, first of all, we have Intercom integrated, and uh, as far as I can tell, the other tools aren't as good as Intercom in, in that with that feature, yeah. that capability. Um, although I'd be more than willing to be proven wrong if anyone wants to write it up for me and explain it. Uh, that would be you guys drift in HubSpot. Um, so, uh, um, where were we? Oh, so yeah, and we also, to your question directly, yes, we also use Help Scout. We use Help Scout for two things. One, our knowledge base is in there, which, you know, almost every product, with Intercom, HubSpot, Zendesk, there's like a million uh, knowledge bases, but we use Help Scout knowledge base. And then we also use Help Scout for our ticketing system, yep. which of course HubSpot has now, but um, I think Help Scout, um, you know, first of all, we're really, uh, we've really customized Help Scout and it works really well for us. Um, and I think they're just a bit further ahead in that than others. Um, and so uh, the nice thing about Help Scout using uh, the ticketing system there is that, um, you know, we can kind of force our users to think a little bit more about their tickets. And, and then we can also make sure that we resolve them. Whereas with chat, I don't think it's really easy to, to, to like resolve a ticket because you end up having maybe two or three different talking about two or three different things. And, and it's hard to know, like, did I solve that one, this one or that one? And how do I mark it? And so having an email based ticketing system um, helps. They can initiate a ticket from in, in the app. Uh, so it's not like we're forcing them to go to their inbox, but um, they can also email us directly. Yeah. Um, and that, that helps us with, with tracking and making sure we have coverage and, making sure we're resolving things in a timely timely manner and all that. This episode of Agency Journey is brought to you by the Digital Project Manager. If you've ever struggled to get your projects delivered on time and on budget, then take a listen to this quick conversation. Ben Aston, who's the founder of the Digital Project Manager. Ben, is there one root problem that you've identified as the cause of so many of the agency project management problems we see? Um, yeah, I, I think the, the main thing really is that project management seems to be a bit of an afterthought. And I think that because it's an afterthought, it means that projects often are delivered late, they're delivered over budget, um, and the clients are often over-serviced or disappointed because they don't get what they wanted to get at the end of the project. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Very few agencies come out of the gate with a plan for effective project management. So if that's the problem, what's the solution? And I know that that's something that you guys are helping to address. How are you helping agencies solve that issue? Yeah, so we uh, last year launched uh, something called the DPM School. Uh, it's an online training course for digital project managers. Uh, but really, it's a course not just for digital project managers. It's anyone who's involved in leading and managing projects. So whether you're an agency owner, you're the person who's been tasked with managing the project. Uh, this is a seven week course. Um, it's a course that's scalable, so you can spend as little as one hour a week over the course of seven weeks or as many as 10, depending on how much time you've got. But it'll give you a really solid grounding on in the complete project life cycle. So from project initiation right through to delivery, uh, you'll learn how to plan, uh, manage and deliver better projects. Projects that deliver results, uh, projects that are delivered on budget, 
on time uh, and with better relationships with the clients at the end of it. If you want to learn more about the digital project manager and see if it's the right solution for you and your team, head over to zenpilot.com slash DPM. That's zenpilot.com slash DPM. Now back to the show. What do you see changing in the agency space here, 2019 and moving forward? Or what should uh, be happening? How should an agency respond to, to what's happening in the marketplace right now? Yeah, I think um, every small marketing agency now is selling retainers of some sort. Uh, obviously, you know, every year we, that was like what we started teaching them. Who you started? Teaching agencies at like 2009. Not everybody, but most. Um, of course, every agency is still selling projects too. But um, And I think they're selling it in a similar manner which is, you know, to talk about your business goals and all that, which is good. They should continue to do all that. Um, but uh, what I'm seeing is there's too many agencies selling in the same way and selling the same set of services. Uh, that And that's still pretty true to, like, the core inbound methodology. It's some, you know, some version of content creation or blogging. Um, some version, you know, maybe social media, some version of lead capture or conversion optimization with e-commerce in that case, um, some version of uh, marketing automation, usually email-based, um, and then using data to improve it. I still think that is should be the core of what any agency does, um, but there i don't think it's the playbook is working as well as it used to be um you can't just write 500 word blog posts eight times a month and expect it to work um and so you can't you know you can't just do simple marketing automation and let it go there's much more to be done there with sales enablement um I think you know on the content side, longer form content. Everybody's writing long form content. Google, of course, loves long form content, so that's winning. Which is obviously creating long form content is much more resource intensive. More people are creating video, right? Doing live stuff like this. So um, I just that playbook is is tired, and so I'm pushing agencies to go in one of two directions. They either need a niche or they need to expand their service offerings. Ideally, they do both. Um, I highly recommend agencies focus on uh, a niche uh, in terms of who they sell to. Uh, you just had James Robert Leon, right? Yep. Oh, he was on our podcast a few months back, and all he helps is banks and credit unions. He lives a nice life, profitable agency. Uh, he talks about it pretty publicly, so I'm not saying anything that, that, that uh, he hasn't shared himself, but uh, and I contrast that to you know somebody running a twenty person agency working working sixty hours a week and you know barely paying themselves what they right. deserve. Um, and so uh, I think going niche is one. Uh, the other thing I'm seeing is agencies expand service offerings, um, and there's just I, th I think it should be largely built on the back of other technology of technology. The technology is just like taken over marketing there and there's so much innovation going on investors have put so much money into software as a service in MarTech and there's literally uh, billions of dollars still waiting to be invested. And so technology companies, SaaS companies have won the marketing game and marketing agencies need to embrace that. They're not going to outspend them, outbeat them, they're never going to outscale them. And so what marketing agencies need to do is really embrace the idea of being um, resellers and integrators of technology. I'm seeing a bunch of agencies do this really well. 
um, uh, Next City Marketing, uh, Gabriel Marguglio's team. They're, they now have like four or five technologies that they introduce to every client. Uh, they're still on the HubSpot stack, but um, they obviously using Databox, using Seventh Sense, using Insightcle, a bunch of tools that complement that and also give them a new entry point. So going back to the struggles of everybody selling the same way and the same thing, Gabe doesn't. Gabe can go in with a bunch of different solutions and identify one to get started. He doesn't need to sell that retainer out front. He can sell one of five different services to get himself um, in the door and start working with the client. And so I think um, agencies really need to embrace the fact that the technology companies are innovating, and if they build some services on top of those technology companies, they can uh, sell a lot more easily market themselves a lot more easily. The other thing they can do is draft off of those technology companies because technology companies um, spend a lot of time and money on marketing, um, and so they're generating demand for what they do, and if an agency can align themselves as a, as a resource to those customers, those people looking at that technology, it's a, it's a great way to, to market themselves. So those are, the, those are the two things I'm recommending. Go niche and expand your services based off of technology that's uh, popping up. The first one, I obviously, I'm wholeheartedly in agreement with. The second one, I think we could finesse our way through where I agree That's, and where I, where I disagree with that. Okay. But um, obviously, the temptation is like that we become technology focused, and that what we're selling to our customers become the problem that we try to solve is uh-huh. like we're trying to implement new tech. Like that, the focus the focus for so many creatives is so easily put on. Here's a shiny new piece of technology that I want to go play with. Now I want to justify that to yeah. my clients. That's, that's 2014 talking. Keep going, though. So I, I don't – my guess is that the longer that we talk through this, that we wouldn't actually be – I think we are Probably. in alignment. Just the way that we talk about it would be different. So I would be niche, solve one specific set of people, and solve yeah. one one costly problem for them. Or, you know, like you're, right. you're focused on one type of solution. And then how you get to that, though, you're right. Yeah. Like you need to have – different ways and if you're not innovating and following on service providers um yeah can be a good way to, to innovate on that yeah, yeah. Um, i just to be clear real clear i think that's where we probably where you you might be having a visceral negative reaction to that advice uh is is that um it's not about selling the technology it's still not about selling the technology it's about selling the outcomes still and that conversation the sales process should still occur of like what are you doing but it, and what do you want to achieve mr prospect what do you, what are your business goals how can i help where are you falling short etc that should still happen um, but you know if you're one of if they're looking at three agencies and all three of you come back and say here's our retainer price it's it's five thousand dollars a month these are the set of services that we're going to deliver or you present that to them or you talk through that they're going to be like yeah you sound exactly like the other three yep. agencies and instead of saying oh okay well it seems like you have a really urgent issue right here um and here's one thing that i know that i can help you with i can do it quickly um for a small amount of money if that's something you want to solve now we can do that right away right um, and so it's just a different way of getting in the door. Uh, InCycle is a perfect example. I don't know if you know those guys yet, but yeah. um, it's a data cleansing tool. And so a lot of times you know, when a company has 10, 20,000, even a few thousand contacts in their database, there's a lot of crap in there. There's a lot of like names that aren't capitalized. There's a lot of duplicates based off of name because people use multiple email addresses. Um, and so you're sending the same email to two people, which is really annoying, by the way. Um, and 
uh, there's oftentimes poorly formatted zip codes or um, duplicate fields, like uh, like you might have two fields to capture um, what somebody's job role is. And so InCycle goes in and like can quickly identify those things and then quickly fix it. What most people do is literally download that crap into Excel, figure out the Excel function, re-upload it, and they'll spend hours. Literally, we survey people. It's like um, they spend an hour, I think, a half hour to an hour doing it uh, once a month. Um, and so it can be reduced down. And so like going in with InCycle, especially if somebody has an acute issue where their data is real messy and their sales team's complaining, then like you can solve that real quick and you look like a hero. Yep. Yeah. There's definitely an opportunity there to search, just like on top of Databox, like the challenge is the technology's a piece of it. And as you guys know personally, like actually getting people to set it up correctly and implement it is another yep. huge challenge. So the InCycle, like to have a tool that makes that easier is awesome. And that creates yep. margin opportunity. And now right. you need someone who can come and in there is and a learning what curve they're using. Product, yeah. right? Any new For interface sure. is a learning curve. So, you know, hiring somebody that's done it 20 times will will be a lot cheaper ultimately than like trying to figure it out yourself and the thing is there's like literally i could rattle off 20 tools like that for for any hubspot user um or any shopify user right or any sales for salesforce customer i could tell you some i could identify a problem for you quickly with how you're using that tool and fix it with another solution right very quickly right right and the yeah the challenge or i guess what i would point out would be the challenges. Don't get lost in all these different tools. Like, make sure one that you're solving a costly problem for people. If yeah. my data management, I know it's annoying, but if it's a thousand dollar problem for me, and that's the full. Sw- I, you also have to look at it strategically, like you're saying. Like, this is a foot in the door. Yeah. This isn't like it's an entry scale. point. Yeah, I think it, what I'm saying is agencies need for entry points. Yep. And the nice thing about having other entry points too is you can market them to someone with that need. Yep. And it's not just about like. I'm going to take my ebook, the the lead that inquired about me, or downloaded my ebook and like have a general business conversation. It's like, hey, I'm marketing my data cleaning services in partnership with the company that offers a data cleaning software. And when they inquire with me, I'm going to have an offer that they're going to get on the phone and they're going to say, I need that. Yep. And so that and that's that's what I'm that's what I'm suggesting is find those entry points. That's a great point too, because so often we get caught up in whatever we think about our business. Like, I have a I have a certain way that I want to talk about what we do at Zenpilot. Like, I want to help agencies scale. But what does that yep. mean? Like, that's a fancy word. And most agency, like, my problem is not scaling as an agency. My problem is like I'm trying to survive my day to day and like client chaos that's happening in here right now. Like, yes, scale is nice, but. My issue right now is I need someone to take half of this work off my plate and do it the way that I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so, as marketers, we obsess over helping people grow, um, yeah. but oftentimes growth is one is not a problem, and and growth growth is often aspirational for many companies. It's something they want to get to, but not yeah. critical. As that's very true of agencies, um, and and more often than not, it's it's how do I increase my profits. How do I get better customers? Like there's so many and, – and like – or I have this very specific issue that's slowing down my team from achieve, like executing what they're supposed to be executing. Yeah. Can you help me with that? Right. Um, and so I think it's, it's important that, that agencies – having some of these entry points allow agencies to address some of those, those yep. smaller issues, seem smaller, but are blocking the growth. Yep. Right. Yeah. You kind of need to address the surface level pains before you earn the opportunity to go deeper, which – which makes a lot of sense. Okay. We agree. We're fine. 
I'm just kidding. Close enough. <laughs> um, you guys have – so you've published your methodology. Well, Q3, Q2 maybe last year? Yeah, you put yeah, it yeah we kind of soft launched it out in Q3, yeah. Um, maybe just share that with people and let's talk about how agencies ought to be doing – the piece that gets – We've both experienced this over and over. Like agencies pump out all these. First of all, they just position around deliverables, which is mistake number yep. one. But then they pump them all out, and there's zero. Just, everyone's so happy that those things are out and that it's done. That like going back and working off the data is right. Yeah, they're not optimizing. Aside, yeah. I mean, the friction, the uh, friction in getting the data is part of it. Um, yep. And but any yep. kind of knowledge about how we go back and use that. So talk to us about the methodology and then kind of what you Yeah, what I, what I found is, um, you know, obviously there's um, uh, coming from HubSpot and built the partner program. Many of our partners are also HubSpot partners. So yeah. I often talk about like this. It's like my path is similar, is, is, uh, is important context, I think, for ex- explaining, um, you know, so, so why, why I talk about things the way I do. Um, and so what I found at HubSpot is that, um, I think we did a pretty effective job for many partners, not all, um, of teaching them how to sell consultatively based on the ROI that they can deliver. Um, and I, that was critical. It helped a lot of agencies go from their dining room table to you know five million dollars plus firms. I can I can give you fifty success stories uh, out of the top of my head, and I'm sure there's many more that I don't know about. There's of course many failures as well. Just, just to acknowledge that um, and not oversell it. It doesn't work for everyone. Not everyone is able to do it. But what I found amongst that population of agencies who got really good at selling the idea of ROI, they haven't put an equal amount of effort into uh, the actual delivery of that ROI. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 what they're good at is selling the idea of the ROI, and they're good at doing work that does cause improvement uh, most of the time. But what they fail to do is really hold themselves accountable to optimizing and maximizing the ROI. Usually, what they do is they set goals with the client in the sales process. Like, we're gonna we want to get to this amount of revenue. We're gonna get this much, uh, this many leads. We need this much traffic, and then we're we're gonna produce this these activities. But they set that plan in the beginning and they gauge it, and oftentimes don't look at it. Um, sometimes not till twelve months later. Most yep. of them are in the six month range, and then the good ones are quarterly. Um, and given how real-time marketing is, right? There's chat, there's there's instant analytics, there's lead intelligence, there's things like send time personalization with 7 cents where you can really, you can, you know, you can send an email out over a week and optimize it, uh, you know, start sending it Monday and, and optimize it on Wednesday for improved performance. Like, there's so many, th- there's social, of course, that's instantaneous, there's ads that, you know, not only can you tweak them, but you might you need to pay attention to them to make sure that you're actually still spending your money wisely and that you're actually still getting clicks and all that. So there's so many things that are real time, but marketers are only adjusting their plan on a quarterly basis and their goals on a, on a on an annual basis. Yep. And so that's wrong. That, that what that does is it puts them out of out of sight, out of mind, and it turns marketers into um, automatons. Right? It's like they think the technology is automating their work. Really, they're just on autopilot. Marketers right. just doing the same damn shit every morning and every week. Um, and so the, the ones that are doing a good job start with having the data omnipresent. Like they literally have it on their TV, their mobile, they're setting goals. And so we kind of recognized this pattern. It was a very small number of them that like really embraced the idea of like having TVs up with 
where the whole team could see the, the important metrics. Like some of the owners we t- talked to would literally, and we can see this in their usage, like literally log in every morning to the, on their phone, like before they were probably at the office, I won't say like yeah. in bed or, or, you know, in the bathroom, but, but they're checking their data yeah. early every day and frequently. Uh, and so we started to like dig into what do those people do? And they do it completely differently than most agencies. What we found is that they still have that conversation where they're going to like, you know, set the annual goals. Um, and they, they still, you know, spec out what the, what the, the scope of work is for the most part over 12 months. Um, but they they adopt things much more frequently. First of all, they pick sometimes they pick brand new initiatives quarterly. So they, in their first quarter, they might focus on say uh, lead capture, right? Uh, because the the site isn't optimized for lead capture. They might say, hey, we're going to do website chat to really figure out like what are your users actually coming to your website for? Yep. And they might figure that out, and then they're like, all right, we got that figured out. It's on autopilot at this point, and we, we have it set up. We don't need to do anything more there. Now we're going to focus deeper in the funnel. Now we're going to focus at the top of the funnel. We're going to go after paid ads. We're going to create better conversion processes from our most popular content to our lead forms. Again, so they're literally switching initiatives quarterly. Yep. Um, the next thing they're doing is they're setting goals monthly. And the importance of setting goals monthly is that it's actually front and center. You don't let too much time go by before you actually revisit it. And now – uh, we don't hit most of our goals. I always should say that. We probably hit like 50% of our goals at Databox. But the simple act of having a goal that we're focused on allows us to get a lot closer to it. Yeah. It's really hard to set goals, and that's why most people don't do it. It's really hard to have the conversation with a boss or a client when you don't hit the goal, and so that's why people don't do it. But if you if you accept the fact that you're not going to hit every goal, some goals should be stretch goals, some goals should be easy goals, and you should have a few, not 20, but right. just a few goals that you focus on, uh, and you set that on a monthly basis. First of all, you'll you'll start in your goals by month three of any kind of activity that you're doing on a regular basis, and it'll feel real damn good. It'll also give a lot of faith to the client and the boss that you actually know what the hell you're doing. Um, and if you focus on just one or two, maybe three goals, depending on how big your team is, um, you'll have the whole team focused on that, paying attention to it and adapting their plan on a more regular basis. And that's the third step. Third step is uh, adapting your plan on a weekly basis. Don't like ship stuff and then never look at it for six months. Right. Ship stuff and look at it, see how it performed, and see, hey, should we promote that more? Should we spend some ad dollars on that? Should we, uh, should we put a link to that article in our footer? Um, should we promote that to a different email list? Should we update that content because it's performing so well and maybe get a few quotes from experts in it and get them to promote it? Like, There's all these little things that you can do when you see something's working that will help you get to the goal a lot, a lot more easily. Um, and so adopting the plan weekly is important. Um, and then obviously uh, sell, uh, paying attention to the data, so kind of closing the loop and, and the people that, that – we're adopting a plan like this where they're setting initiatives quarterly, goals monthly, and adapting their plan weekly. We're also paying attention to their data on a weekly basis. Uh, it's because they were doing those first three things, but by paying attention to their their data on a daily basis, they could do two things. <coughs> One, and I'll shut up in a second because I need a drink. <laughs> One is they, um, they were <coughs> able to see the opportunities for improvement and adapt. 
Yep. And two, we're celebrating the successes more often. And the more that people like celebrate that success and, and, and get and feel good about what they're doing, the harder they work and the smarter they work. And so there's a nice um, like emotional kind of psychological benefit of paying attention to your data as long as you're also doing yeah. the right things around them. So we overlook uh, that at least my personality type of like the more logical um like less emotional overlook that way too much the like the yeah. impact that motivation and like celebrating the wins has on our yep. actual success moving forward yep. with um your with the weekly rhythms of going back and adjusting or adapting i i think that one of the things like that sounds i've talked to agencies about um like obviously we've got a lot of conversations around this, but are we actually looking at what we're doing and measuring and improving from there? And it just sounds intimidating. It just sounds like more work. Like the easy thing to do is publish it and leave it out there. And one of the most effective things seems to be everyone who seems who's doing that well has uh, two things. They have the rhythm, like you're talking about. Here's how often we go back and look at it. And the second thing is they have the framework for what does that mean and how do we – like what are the metrics that we decide? We could certainly go back and optimize every blog post that we have. But as that builds up over time, it's like which ones what's – the, what's the framework that we use? Um, yep. So some people will use like a – probably more similar to a um, product prioritization type of uh, – you know, like we used uh, demand, impact, and effort. Um, to prioritize feature development, but some some combination of what's the impact this is going to have, what's the effort that it's going to require, and then what do we how do we score those and say this is a go, this isn't a go, or this is a go, but this needs to be a go in a month from yeah. now instead of this week. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think uh, the, there can like to your point, there can be a lot of overhead in um, in adapting your plan on a weekly basis. Um, and we've experimented with this ourselves a bit. Like, uh, I, d I don't, and we do, we of course use our own methodology, but what I don't do is force a team to adapt their plan every week. Yeah. What I want is individuals to adapt their plan every week. Yeah. Right. For them, and I want them, I just want them to communicate what they plan to do and then be willing to adapt that and explain why. Usually, what happens is it's a tweak to what they were planning to do. It's not like a, a yeah. wholesale change, um, you know. It, it's uh, and so, uh, so I, I, it's really about the individuals. Now, depending on like how big your company is, or your team, or in the case of an agency, how big your client is, like you might have weekly scrums, right? Our product team, for example, does weekly weekly planning. Yep. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's four people involved in that, like for several hours each week. And then there's, you know, everybody has a bit of input into it. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, as, as project management tools have gotten better too, um, two things can really help. One is to have a process so that if you are diverting from your plan, at least you're following a process of some sort. Um, and two is to use the project management system effectively so that you everybody has kind of insight into what everybody's doing and so so that you don't have to have meetings to adapt plans you can literally do it in a thread right on asana and and yep. and the plan right. from there asana pete i've got a project management software for you um, <laughs> <laughs> so that i think that's really helpful and i'm glad that you um explained like that that clarification on here's 
what individuals do. This is like, this is the piece that, um, and I think that, uh, I think we put the link to the methodology in the Facebook live here. If you're listening to this, um, on the podcast afterwards, you can check out the, um, the blog with the recaps or join agency journey insiders. And I'm sure if you just Google data box, Methodology. It's literally in our top yeah. navigation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, come up as well. what we're trying to do is get companies to adopt adopt a methodology before they adopt our product. Um, yeah. We're in parallel because we have a free product, so you can try it. Yeah. Um, but and I and I would I would be remiss if I didn't give some level of credit to like things I learned at HubSpot, which I think they learned it from Salesforce sure, and other right. companies. Right. Um, there's a book called Metrics That Matter, uh, which is the Google, kind of the Google playbook, the OKR playbook, yep. Objective and Key Results, um, and then Traction, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. I think they have good stuff. What we try to do is not duplicate what they're doing, borrow a little bit. Uh, there's a small amount of overlap, but really take up where they take up where they left off where I think um, either Google doesn't share or um, uh, the traction kind of an EOS kind of leave off is like what happens after you set the, the executive team sets the high level targets and plans um, what happens and we tried to we tried to pick up there and especially given with marketing and sales and customer service where everything's very real time now um, I think uh, Employees need to be empowered to make decisions in real time and adapt adapt what they're doing, but also still be motivated to hit that goal. Right, right. Yeah, you're exactly. And I, I think, I mean, what people need is a framework that they can follow. So all those yeah. ideas, all my, I think you're the first person who said to me, and I forget if you mentioned that you read it somewhere or about like all the ideas are just part of the ether or are out there in the ether, and it's just whoever uh, adopts them and implements them best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I say that frequently. A lot of people are. I, I have a million ideas, and I feel great authorship in them. Um, but uh, you, other people have the same ideas as me, and they really where the the rubber meets the road is people that can execute on them. So yeah, for sure. Well, this has been really good. I'm going to pull up the uh, the live here real quickly and see if there's anything else to run by you. But while I'm doing that, is there anywhere other than databox.com that you that you point people? No, pretty focused on data box these days. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, obviously, I, I, I'm very active on Twitter and enjoy uh, testing theories and and uh, asking questions and having conversations on there. So um, people can look me up on there. My my uh, avatar is PC Four Media Number Four. I saw something the other day. People were uh, giving you a hard time for being political on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you're if you're hardcore conservative and my occasional um, tweet uh, that uh, would uh, that about how much dislike our president bothers you, then then maybe don't don't follow me. But uh, stop being bothered. Just understand people have different perspectives, and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I appreciate their perspective too. But uh, yeah, I had a few a few of my buddies actually. But so yeah, it's a uh, discussing. Yeah, discussing politics on on Twitter. I'm not sure. Very few uh, business people that you, people that use Twitter rarely do that uh, if they're using it for business. Right. Um, but I I, I I am one person, so and I try to represent that online. So. Uh, you talked about people yeah. being being different, and that being a good thing. Yeah, you're being. See, you're circling back. You do things differently. John McTigg, <laughs> here's a strange name. I'm sure you're not familiar with John. He says, "Love the Pete Caputo winner look." 
Um, has a good comment in here about dealing with uh, like adapting plans and goals is on a, on a consistent basis is the client involvement. So how do they like, do they want you involved? How do they deal with that? Do you hear feedback from agencies on like, yeah, like trying again, to... those, those agencies that, and they were already doing this before we introduced this methodology, but we have a core group of agencies. Um, uh, I think big C is a really good one. We have a case study on data box. If you Google data box, big C S E A, you'll see how they adopt, adopted data box um, to really react in real time. Um, to 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 improve performance, um, and they're a really good example of, of they do have conversations with the client about about goals on a regular basis, um, and she talked about that in that case study. Um, I think most agencies, especially the slightly bigger ones, when they start delegating, John's lived through this. When you start delegating to account managers. Um, they're a little less senior than the, maybe the person that's selling the deal, which is oftentimes the owner still. Um, and they're less comfortable having those conversations. Um, not sure if it's this quarter or next, but we will be rolling out a training for agencies and agency account managers specifically on, on how to have all these conversations with clients. Um, and, uh, and I know you guys do you know, a lot, bunch of training where you teach account managers to be big boys and girls too, and have their big boy, big boy girl pants on, and and have business conversations. So, um, I think uh, it, that is that is a challenge for many agencies to really teach that. Right. Yeah. It really comes back to how you how you've been positioned from the beginning, setting the right expectations. Are you a strategic partner? Or are you? Uh, we go implement. You know, we receive your task list each week, and we go do it. And in that case. It, Good luck trying to yep. adjust the power. Yeah, like yeah, we had we had an agency cancel who yesterday. He was only using us for two clients. Good guy. Seems you know he's had these clients for a long time, so I can presume he's doing a great job for them. <clears throat> and Pete can presume. Oh, he's yeah. You, but, you, you just sorry came back about in. that. We heard you, yeah. you can presume he's doing a good job for them, and then blank. He's out. doing a good job for them, but um, yeah, he's not. He's not driving the the engagement in any different ways, like other than what he's agreed to on in the beginning of the relationship, and and really he has them focused on the outcome, which is great, but not introducing a lot of new things to them. Um, and so, DataBox in that scenario is, is a lot less useful. Um, and uh, and so, I think you know, have agencies having um, more service offerings is key. Um, and then as you have more service offerings, it's really important to have a handle on your data and, and adopting the plan and the goals become, um, easier and more important. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Pete, this has been a really fun conversation. I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. And, um, yeah, this would be the last plug I, I give for, uh, for this one, but I would definitely, we use DataBox um, every day at Zen pilot, um, and something that we recommend to, to people going through the agency accelerator program and we'll be building out more stuff around helping them implement that um, Sweet. that better here in, in 2019 as well so uh, definitely head to databox.com if you're not using it if you are log in make sure you send a ticket to them <clears throat> say Grace said to clog up Help Scout and you be all set <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding thank you Pete That was this has been a lot of fun oh you're welcome uh, as always appreciate the uh, the banter <laughs> <laughs>